Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Fantastic. Just love the... I just love how faith grips our heart when we pray. You know, there's something about being conscious of the Lord and the Holy Spirit that as we go through life that... We're not so moved by what we think is right, but we actually get prompted to do what God's doing around us. We become conscious of the kingdom of God that actually is a very real kingdom. The kingdom that Jesus said is at hand. It's here amongst us. You know, we take our eyes off the things of the world and the priorities that we've decided are important, and we actually lean into the kingdom of God. And uh, I love that. Melissa, that's a great story. It encouraged me. It encouraged me to look for the power of God and the moving of God in the everyday. You know, don't, not always the big things, but it can be in the very small things. Who knows what God did in the midst of that, that moment, which was just fantastic. Hey, uh, as we've said, we're in a series called Teach Us to Pray, and we're going through line by line, uh, looking at each line, trying to uh, look for the meaning that's in that line so that we can sort of more deeply understand what it was about prayer that Jesus wanted us to understand. Remember, prayer was really important to Jesus. Remember, we say that glibly, but the disciples were a group of men who knew about prayer. They grew up in a prayer culture. The disciples were part of a Jewish tradition that was shrouded in weekly prayer. It was part of the Sabbath to pray a certain way. There were three times a day in their normal day, people would go to the synagogue and they would pray. There were seven feasts throughout the, the uh, timeline that would happen in Israel. And in that time, there would be a bunch of different prayers that would happen. Sometimes on one feast, a hundred times the shofar would be blown and they would pray every time the shofar was blown. And so we're talking about a culture that prayed. They prayed ceremonially. They prayed regularly. They prayed as part of their meals. They prayed as part of their gathering. They were prayers. Yet they looked at this man called Jesus who said that he only ever did what he saw his father doing and they said, well, I wonder where you saw that happen. And then he'd say to them at times when they prayed for the demoniac and the, and the little boy, the demon didn't come out of the boy and Jesus said, well, that'll only come out through prayer and fasting. And they said, well, hang on a minute. We already pray and we already fast. But there's something about what Jesus was doing late at night on the mountain where he'd go and separate himself to pray and then he'd come down and he'd walk on the water afterwards. And then there'd be other times that he'd come down and they'd go across on this boat and they'd lie together. He'd lie in the back of the boat completely asleep while they are freaking out because nature is trying to kill them. And they're looking at this Jesus and, and this Jesus' whole life and power comes out of this idea that he prays. And so it's no wonder that they say to Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, Jesus. I mean, we obviously don't have the first idea about prayer because what we're doing doesn't result in that power. And we want that power. It's pretty normal to ask the guy who seems to have the keys, how do you pray? And so Jesus gives us this prayer. And look, you can pray the Lord's Prayer and recite it as a prayer. 
There's nothing wrong with that. People do it. We should all do it. It's a reminder of the, of the, uh, the template of prayer that God's given us. But I think the power in the prayer is in the themes that Jesus is asking us to focus on. And more importantly, the things he's not asking you to focus on. Did you notice that Jesus didn't put in there, make sure you pray to the Father and give him your laundry list of concerns and desires. Tell him about all the physical and material things that you're missing in your life because God doesn't know that. God doesn't know you have needs. He just needs to be reminded of you because you're a greater intelligence than God. No, in the previous paragraph, it says, your Father knows exactly what you need before you pray. So, Don't even bother praying that. Don't even bother praying that. But here's what you pray. And here are the keys to the kingdom. Here are the keys to the power that I walk in. Here are the keys to unlocking the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Pray like this. If you pray like this, you're going to find you look a lot like me. You're going to start emulating me, you're going to start looking like the Son of God on earth. Paul had a great revelation of that because Paul's whole thesis, if you read everything Paul's written, really the thing Paul was on about is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was his whole thesis. And so Jesus was all about saying, how do you look a little bit more like me? Well, you pray a little bit like this. So let's just go to Matthew 6. And verse 8, just uh, let's read this together. 8 to 13, it'll come up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. But it says, Therefore, do not be like them. Who's them? The hypocrites. Those who are seeking glory from men. Those that walk around looking all ashen-faced and look as if they're doing the ceremony of the civil uh, conduct of the nation, but their heart is far from me. Don't be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And today we're going to be looking at, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, I pray today that by your Holy Spirit, you would reveal to us this prayer. God, that you would put something inside us that is uh, on fire by faith to not be just people that pray ceremonially or pray out of the wants and the needs of our flesh, but we become people of the Spirit, people who are inspired to want to be a part of the kingdom of God, to be countercultural to the things we see around us, that we would actually set a new pace and a new rhythm. God, we would actually turn hearts back to you because of the example of the power and life that's in us. God, I pray you'd show us today. Just teach us again by your Spirit. Lord, not of the words that I would say today. Really, I ask that you would speak into the hearts of every ear into every life that's here, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's clarify some things. Does God test us? Because that thing says, lead us not into temptation. So is God testing us? Is God leading us into temptation? This is of all the lines in this particular prayer, I reckon is one of the most difficult to understand what Jesus was, was actually meaning. James is really clear about the answer. 
Let no one say, James chapter 1 and verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. That's a fairly clear answer. I don't think we have to ask the question, does God tempt us? So clearly that's not what Jesus is talking about. We need to clarify the terms. What is the word temptation meaning? If we look at the Greek for a minute, it actually is worth doing. Sometimes it's not that helpful. Sometimes it is. This time I think it is. There's a word called pyramos. It'll come up on the screen, pyramos. It actually means the testing. Lead us not into the testing, Jesus was saying. Or in other words, that's the negative way of saying, lead us away from the testing. So in other words, don't lead us into the testing. You could say it that way. Or you could say, lead us away from the testing. Does that make sense? Because isn't it true, we want to be led by the Spirit. We want to be led by the Lord. None of those things change according to biblical testimony. So God is leading us. What we're saying to Him is, God, lead us away from the testing. We're going to be led by you. In other words, you can lead me wherever you want me to lead me, but I'm just praying, don't lead me into the testing. Lead me away from the testing. And then the next part says this, deliver us from evil. The word evil means pon eros. Pon eros means pain or suffering. It comes from a root word called ponos, which, which actually means suffering. You could essentially recalibrate that to say the pain and suffering brought into the world by sin. So lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the pain and suffering brought into the world by sin. Lead us away from the testing and deliver us from everything that's anti-kingdom of God. Because when we die and go to heaven, the Bible's very clear and says that there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. He'll wipe every tear from every eye. So clearly, there's something that evil has brought to this world. And this prayer is saying, deliver us from it. The evil that comes from sin. If we were then to reword that particular line, according to the Greek, we could say, lead us away from the testing of our faith and deliver us from the pain and suffering brought into the world by sin. It's the one line in this particular prayer that deals with the issue of sin and its effect in us and on us. The effect that it has inside us in the way that it leads us to in temptation and testing, but also its effect on us because of what's happening around us. We live in a fallen world and that fallen world is attacking the things of the kingdom of God. It's attacking peace in you. It's attacking love in you. It's attacking forgiveness in you. It doesn't want any of those things to happen. All of those things are the fruits of the kingdom of God. It doesn't want you healed. It doesn't want you whole. Sin is trying to draw you away and keep you from God. And this prayer is saying, God, I don't want any part of that. Jesus, help me to live a different kind of life. So if God doesn't test us, then what is causing the testing? Well, James, in his usual clarity, can give us absolute pinpoint answers. James chapter 1 again in verse 13 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. 
And when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So the testing comes because you and I are drawn away with our own desires. Something shiny is over there gleaming in front of us. And we say, ooh, ooh, I'd like that. And so this prayer is saying, God, I know that that's possible for me, but lead me away from that. Lead me away from that moment where I have to choose between my flesh and the spirit. Lead me away from that. Help me to overcome that temptation that's in front of me. David said the same thing in different words. He was lamenting his own failure. He wrote Psalm 51 after his time with Bathsheba and the incredible abhorrent actions that that he really was there and committed. But he said this, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Creating me a clean heart is the same prayer as lead me away from the testing. It's the same prayer. It says, God, help my heart become clean. Help me be one who is not tested or tempted by the things of my heart. Creating me a clean heart. What, what was David praying when he prayed that? Was God able to just reach in and just suddenly te- help him not desire naked women? Because that's what happened. Let's be honest. He wasn't at war and he saw what he shouldn't have and his flesh acted according to what he thought he could get away with. Brutal and simple. And it's happening every day in the world out there. That's what happened. And so what, is God just going to magically deliver him from the desires of his flesh? No, what he's saying is, God, I yield my heart to you because I need you to remake me on the inside. I have allowed my heart to grow weak and evil. I have allowed my heart to sit with things that I have allowed my imagination to play with so that it now grips me. And my heart has become twisted. I'm seeing the world through a twisted lens. So much so that it's okay for me to sleep with her. It's okay for me to kill the husband. It's okay for me to lie to the nation. And it's okay for me to lie to the prophet. That's okay. Well, that's not a clean heart, that's a twisted heart. And so David's come back to God and said, deliver me from the testing, God. My heart has become twisted. Lord Jesus, well, he didn't say Jesus, but we would say Jesus, help me. Creating me a clean heart. And in verse 17 in Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. See, you can't be tested if you're not tempted. You can't be tested. Let me put this uh, picture on the screen of, I think we've got one, of a Macca's meal. Okay. There was a day where if someone said Macca's, I'd say to you, let's go. It could have been at 8 o'clock in the morning. It could have been 9 o'clock at night. And I had the metabolism that could eat that. And it would burn it up. And I would feel really good, not just five minutes afterwards, but even 12 hours after it, I would still feel good. Can I tell you, they couldn't pay me enough money to eat that right now. There is nothing, when I see an ad on TV for Maccas, my whole being goes, oh, yuck. 
I just, I don't, is anybody with me for a minute? Is anybody happy to eat that plastic food? The rest of you are all doing amazingly well. I can't even imagine eating that thing. Like, I, if I'm starving and we're driving past the Golden Arches, we are, I'll say, I don't care, I'd rather be hungry than eat that. Now, what I'm trying to say is, it's not tempting. I'm not tempted by it. I don't care how much they brush it in oil and give it a lovely photograph and make it look like it's come from heaven itself. I'm not eating it. I know what it does to me. And see, that's the picture of sin that God is trying to put inside us because a broken and contrite spirit looks at the things that are against the will of God and that spirit says, no, I have no desire for that. No. I know the consequences. I know what I'll feel like. I know what's going to happen if I go down that road and I have no desire at all. Thank you very much. But I will stay with a clean heart before the Lord. Because a clean heart is not weakness. A clean heart is strength. A clean heart is power. A clean heart is the kingdom of God taking residence in my life. I'll have that all day, Lord Jesus. That's what I want. Lead me not into the testing and deliver me from evil because God, yours is the kingdom. See, that's why Jesus was asking us to pray this. We've got to see this line in context with the whole Lord's Prayer. Jesus was giving us a blueprint for human purpose. The Lord's Prayer is a blueprint for the purposes of humanity on the earth. Jesus wants us to pray His purpose and Jesus wants us to live His purpose. It's the blueprint of a redeemed humanity. It's the kingdom of God come to earth. That is ultimately the dream of God. Before the foundation of the world, before God said, let there be light, there was a dream in the Father's heart and it was on earth as it is in heaven. I want the same habitation here as I have here and that's my plan. And that God's been about that forever. That's been His whole purpose. And we'll end up in that same place because God will not be thwarted in His plan. I wish we had time to unpack why Jesus came, but Jesus was coming to the cross before Adam sinned. And that's because God's plan was always that he was going to join himself to humanity. God was always going to have his way. God was always making sure that this earth would look like heaven. He is not one bit thwarted by the devil. Not one bit. See, Jesus primarily taught on two subjects. If you were to break down everything Jesus taught, and try and summarise them into two big headings, you could. One, he taught about the Father. He talked about, he showed the Father, he demonstrated the Father, he talked about the fact that he was the Son of Man, and this was his Father. He was modelling for us. He could have said, I am the Son of God. He could have said, I am Messiah. He only said it twice. He told a couple of people that I am. He confirmed I am Messiah, but only to people that were outside of Israel. So, but he was the son of man. So he talked about the father. The second thing he talked about was the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like. He told parable after parable. He, he taught on the kingdom. In fact, this whole prayer is sitting in the sermon of the Beatitudes that he actually spoke. So it's actually part of a whole kingdom message that he's been speaking. So Jesus taught on the kingdom of God. 
And when he prayed, he wanted us to connect these two things together. He wanted us to understand that there is a kingdom plan for the world and his plan for that kingdom is connected to your transformation. Your transformation brings that kingdom to this earth. And they're both linked together. If you were going to reword the entire Lord's Prayer, you could reword it like this. This is the DP Revised Standard Version, and I apologise, but I want this to just be an illustration for you. I'm going to put on the screen a whole bunch of words. Just let me read it to you. If you are going to read this through the lens of these two objectives, it might sound like this. The Father who is in the heavens is setting up his kingdom on earth by ensuring his will is done on earth. The people in his kingdom will bring this kingdom into being. How? Well, they will know they are his sons and daughters, firstly. Secondly, they will have a daily source of bread, a source of inspiration and power from the Father that will bring this kingdom to life. Thirdly, they'll live in a community of grace that is the power to be forgiven and be free from personal guilt and shame, but also the power to generously give to others this same forgiveness. The people in this kingdom will be free from a heart that is tempted by sin and the oppression created by evil. That's the Lord's Prayer. It's a pattern of the kingdom. It's a pattern, it's a blueprint for what it looks like. And that's why Jesus said, you don't need to ask God for things. He's, he knows what you want. What you need to pray for is that this kingdom gets birthed through you. Pray for that. Get your heart transformed so that you see why I'm here and what your mission is as a result of me being here. And the whole prayer is built on this inner shift that I'm not outside the kingdom of God, but he is my father. So the very first line is our father because the whole thing's built on that revelation. You'll never see the rest of the prayer come to pass if you don't see God as your Father. So the first step is the step into righteousness. It's the step into the shoes of Jesus that says, I am forgiven, I am whole, I am free. We sang it before. And <laughs> in that place, oh God, in that place, I am righteous before you. Oh God, you are my Father. Now, how will I pray? Can you see what Jesus was saying? Now I'll pray. Now that I'm in the place of knowing you as my Father, now I'll pray. Because I'm going to pray from a very different place. I'm not praying from outside like an orphan and a slave, asking God for things, for permission. No, no, no. I'm praying out of the heart of the Father who I know well. He's my Father. I know what He wants me to do. Unless humankind makes this inner shift, God can't bring the rest of the kingdom prayer into being. Can you see? It's all about coming through the heart of the sons and the daughters. It's all about those people that are yielded to the will of the Father. It's all about that release. And he wants your prayer life to reach into the divine realm. And in that divine realm, pull in the daily bread that you need for sustenance. He wants you to reach in and pull in the power of reconciliation, the power to be forgiven, but the power to offer forgiveness. He wants the community around us to look like a community that welcomes all. 
Because that's what heaven's going to feel like. You're not going to walk into heaven and feel like a stranger. You're going to walk into heaven and go, I'm home. And God's saying, I want that. That's the picture of the kingdom here. And he wants your prayer life to be able to reach into heaven and pull the power into your life that frees you from temptation and overcomes the power of the devil. So when you walk through the world, you walk through and you... And you live free and whole. Not free and whole and arrogant, free and whole and loving. Free and whole and forgiven. Free and whole and offering the forgiveness to those around us. But there's two enemies that Jesus was cautioning us about that'll stop that from happening for you. There's two enemies and he put it into the prayer. And he's not the only one that talked about this. Moses talked about it. David talked about it. It's, all, it's, it's a theme in Scripture, but there are two enemies. There are desires that are in your soul that rage against the will of God, number one. And two, there's a world of sin around you that distracts you and takes you captive. There's the desires in your soul, and then there's the world around you that's trying to distract you. The evil that's trying to lure you away on a different path. God wants us to be so impressed with his kingdom that our soul can't be taken captive. And the snares and that the enemy lays and the traps that he puts in front of us have no power. That's, that's what God wants. I don't have time really to fully unpack this, but if you look at the parable of the sower, Jesus spoke into this in, in greater depth. The parable of the sower is talking about how a sower went out to sow. In other words, the sower was always sowing seed. The sower just sows. What I love that about that parable is it didn't say he stopped sowing because the seed wasn't fruitful or it wasn't doing what he wanted it to do. It just, the sower just kept sowing. The sower sowed. That's just like the bread that comes from heaven. That's the give us this day our daily bread. So the seeds of the bread are coming from the heart of the Father all the time. But Jesus gives us a picture of what kind of ground that it's falling on when that sower sows and the bread of life leaves the mouth of the Father and hits your ears. He gives us a picture of what's happening when that bread hits the ground. Why is it that that bread's not fruitful straight away? Well, because inside each of us, there's all these different soils or lack of. The first soil that it hits is a soil called wayside. It's paths. There are pathways. If you can imagine in the old times, there would have been a town and a town and there would have been an established track that people and animals would have walked on. It would have been hard, compressed pathways. It would have been the side of the road you could have seen, but you would have seen it. You see it now in country roads. It's, this is where you go. This is where you actually run your, your car. It's compacted. And the, the wayside or the paths Jesus was talking about, these are ways of doing things, but they're ways of the world. And we just accept them as truth. It's normal. That's what you do. They're not ways of God, but they're the ways of man. But we've just accepted them that this is how you do it. This is truth. It's thoughts about who you think you are. It's 
things that the world says you need to do or you need to be. They're, they're things that they hold up particular goals and we've received them that way. You know, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm an angry person. I'm an angry person because my dad was an angry person and his dad was an angry person. And so because they're angry, I've learnt to be angry. I, that's just who I am. It's a way, it's a path. We're trotting this path because we just think it's a path we have to trod. trod. It's there. It's accepted that if that's what my dad was like, that's what I'm going to be like. You know, no one in our family has ever been able to stay married. We've got divorce everywhere, so it's no wonder I'm divorced. I, that's just what happens. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a victim, really. I don't really have a choice. It's just going to happen. It's a path. It's, a, it's an accepted norm that I've taken to be true. But the reality is this. It's a lie. It's not true. And so the bread that comes from the Father's mouth hits that particular path and we don't even hear it because we're not open to the idea there's a different way of doing it. That's what Jesus was saying. And then the, the sower keeps sowing the word, the bread of life that comes every day that we need for sustenance. But this time it doesn't hit the wayside. This time it hits the rocky ground. And the rocky ground is things that we turn to for strength. It was like Melise was saying before, and we've all got it. She was just illustrating her world, but we've got the same. But, you know, I want my little snacks. They're my rocks. They're the things I cling to. They're my, they're my foundations. These are the things that, that give me structure in my life. They, they build up around me. They, they give me a way of leaning on things. They're my rocks. My Netflix, don't interrupt my glass of wine and my Netflix at 7 p.m. Otherwise, you don't want to know me, kids. I tell you, I'll fly off the handle. You don't like me when I get mad. I get green and ugly and big. And There's this rocks. And so the sower's sowing and so the truth goes in, but there's no depth. There's no ability because we're so busy clinging to the strength of the rock that we actually can't receive the truth of the word and cling to that. So we grab the rock because this is the one we're used to. The sower keeps sowing the seed. And finally now, they're the two inner enemies, but the outer enemy is this place called thorns. In other words, there's enough depth in our life, but there's just so many other things. There's so many other desires that we've got. There's so many other distractions. So yes, we desire God, but we also desire this. And so we'll just let it all grow together. And so Jesus says that'll go in and it'll start to grow, but the desire of the world will always overcome it. So we let them grow up together, but the thorns choke out the word. Why? Because we don't give it the attention that it needs. We, we, we let it just happen. We think it's just going to happen. And so... Everywhere through God's kingdom and even through the parables, Jesus is pointing to these things that are in the Lord's prayer. Don't lead me in the way of testing, but deliver me. Deliver me from evil. Deliver me from these different soils that are in my heart. We've all got them. You're not all one soil. You've got lots of different bits in there. You've got times when the word does go into your life and you've created a place in you. You're not all good soil, but you're not all bad soil. I'm not all good soil either, but I'm not all bad soil, but I've got bits of all of that in me somewhere. And Jesus wants us to be all good soil. 
so that when the bread comes from heaven, the sustenance, we're actually nourished. And so we're not fighting people. Now that we understand what this is all about, we're praying to our God to bring the kingdom to earth. We're not fighting people, we're forgiving them. Remember, that's what we do with people, we forgive them, we love them. What we're actually fighting is the war in our head. We're actually dissecting between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal in God, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds, for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. They're the things that are trying to rage themselves against the kingdom of God in you. And Jesus says, that's your battle. That's your battle. And so I want my heart to be clean. I don't want what comes up inside me to fight the kingdom of God. What I want to come up inside me is something that loves the kingdom of God. I want my love to be there. When I think of prayer, I don't want to go... Oh, Lord, prayer. Oh, let me do my 10 minutes and tick the box for crying out loud and get on with my day. No, what if prayer was like, God, I hate leaving you. I hate leaving this space. I've been here for an hour and a half and I'd really love to stay three, but I've got to go to work. But you come with me, so that'll be okay. (laughs) We'll just walk together. Wouldn't that be good? That our heart is so tuned to the kingdom that as we're sitting in the in the lunchroom with our fellow teachers and someone says, well, I've just had terrible news. We go, I'm going to pray for you because I know the kingdom of God could help you right now. Oh, I actually think God's got an answer for you. And so we pray for them. I just want to leave this one last thought, then I'd just love us to stop and, and pray together and just have some time with the Lord. But I want to say this really boldly. There's no contest between God and the devil. You know, sometimes as Christians, we get into this thought process in our head that there's this big fight going on, and it's like this arm wrestle, and there's like Jesus is here, and the Satan is there, and it's sometimes Jesus is winning, and sometimes the devil's winning, and, but we know in the end Jesus will win, but in between time, there's this great battle going on. Folks, we've got to put this myth to bed. We're going to start to walk in a level of authority that we understand the kingdom we're a part of. There is no contest. Satan is an angel created by God. He is a created being. God has complete control. God is using the devil for his purposes until the end of time when he'll no longer need him and then he'll be done with him. And on the way through, he says to us, the church, you be my voice against him. That's how little regard God has for him. He says, I'll give you authority. You, the church, you be you. For this purpose, Christ was revealed to destroy the works of the devil. Great. Now the church stand in that. Now you stand in it. See, The enemy's only power is to deceive your mind, to put in their thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. But if we've got a way of discerning between the two, we can take the thought and throw it away and then let the kingdom of God come. His only power is deception. The second power that he has is called shame and guilt. And what I hate about him is this, he'll tempt you to do something and when you take the bait, he'll kick you for doing it. 
So you feel really bad that you did it. So now not only did you do what you didn't want to do, now you feel bad that you didn't do what you should have done. And so now it's just this perpetual cycle and we start to say, well, God couldn't possibly want me in fellowship with Him. Look how awful I am. And the devil goes, yeah, look how awful you are. And that's the battle. But if we stop for a minute and go, hang on a minute, I am the righteousness of God. What am I doing? I'm a son of God. I belong with Him. The kingdom of God, the power of light is greater than the power of darkness. Yes, I may have done what I didn't want to do, but God forgives me and I'll come back into fellowship with Him. He wants relationship with me more than I want relationship with Him. And we overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's the power of the kingdom. All the enemy has is the lies and the myths that he wants to give us. And all of them come down with the power of the kingdom of God. David said, and just landing on this, if I could ask the musos if you come. David said in Psalm 51, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Purge me with hyssop. There's such a powerful truth in this. What's hyssop? Why will I be purged by hyssop? Hyssop was the branches that the children of Israel took and they dipped them in the blood of the lamb and they put it over the lintel of the doorways to their houses. Purge me with hyssop means this. Purge me through the transference of blood over my life that sets me free. So my acknowledgement of the blood of Jesus that as I sit under that understanding, I see that I am whole and righteous before the Lord. And the more that I fellowship with that, the more it's not presumption, it's truth. I've been purged with hyssop. I've been purged through a transference that His blood is my atonement. His blood is my forgiveness. And I didn't ask for it and you didn't ask for it, but He gave it. And so I am clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones that are broken may rejoice. That's the place of restoration, folks. That is the place of the kingdom. Fully restored, fully approved, fully loved, fully whole, fully received into family and so well healed that you can turn around to others that are coming on the same journey and say, come, it's good. He's good. He's really good. Oh, he's good. He's a good dad. He's a wonderful father. Come, come home. Come home, people. This is a good place to be. Come on, let's pray. Father, you are, you are better than we can imagine. Our mind doesn't dare go to these places of extravagance because there's something inside us that keeps wanting to say, yes, but am I worthy? But your blood screams at us, you are worthy. I have made you worthy. I have made you, I have pursued you. I have clothed you in the robes of righteousness. I have, I have drawn you to myself. I have called you beloved. I have told you stories of homecoming. I've told you about the 
prodigal son. I've told you about my prayer. I've shown you, I've, I've, I've demonstrated for you what being part of the kingdom looks like. Now I need you to get it. Now I need you to receive the revelation that comes freely from me. Lay aside the temptation. Lay aside the things that would try and hold you back. Put down the mythology and the lies that stand between you and me and come home. Come home. God, we hear your voice this morning. Holy Spirit, we hear the tug on our heart that draws us to you. Help us. Help us respond. Help us wake up on the inside and see you and let the joy of the Lord be our strength, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. I'd really love us just to do business with God for a minute. I, I think the Spirit of God is here. I feel the, the sense of His moving in this place. I'd just love us to do this. Just where you're seated, just close your eyes. And just pray to Him. Thank Him. This morning, if you've never ever asked Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour, this is the space you do it. This is the space where you'd simply close your eyes and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I want to be yours. That's it. Four lines. Let it come from your heart. And Jesus said, I will come in. Others of us, we've walked with God for a long time, but we still need at times to sit and rest in the knowledge that we belong to Him. Maybe this morning you just need to open your heart and actually ask Him for forgiveness for something. Stop carrying the guilt and the shame and trust God. He said, if you confess your sin, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So just confess it to Him this morning. Others of you, you'll be sitting here feeling completely like reconciled to God. You know that you are in Him. Don't be, don't be ashamed of that. That's great. Celebrate that. Thank Him for it this morning. Thank Him for the relationship you have. Just ask this. Sometimes the pressure and the burden of shame and guilt can be so heavy that we feel like we just can't break through that and touch God. We know we, we should be able to, we, we know we could, but there's just this niggling sense of this thing that's bolted on. We keep dragging with us everywhere we go. And this morning, I'd just like to pray for anyone that that's you. You just like once and for all, for that, that, that burden you've been dragging with you, it may have been years and years ago, but you've just never been able to shake the idea that that one event, that thing that happened, that decision you made, that whatever, just, just has become this weight. Every now and then just bothers you. You know what? God can break the power of that memory. He can break it. It's, it, it's sometimes just supernatural surgery. And I just think in the spirit today, it's possible for that to happen. You could be in later part of your life and still remember something from your youth. The amount of men that I meet in my office that would say, I still remember and I just, I kick myself even to this day. If that's you, I just love you. I wanna pray with you today. Would you be bold enough just to stand where you are? 
would you be bold enough to? Could I ask you that? I know it might be difficult, but if you really want freedom, if you really say, God, I am sick of it, I actually just want to run into the kingdom of God. Just stand. We're going to pray over you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to come out here. I'm just going to pray over you. I believe the Spirit of God is going to break the chain of that. If that's you, just stand where you are right now. I I won't labor this too long. I reckon there's people here. I reckon it's true. If you want it, grab it today. Just stand up and say, that's me. God, I'm going to lay hold of it. You may never have responded ever to something in church. Respond to this one today. Make this the one. You leave it. Leave it here. Leave it here. Don't take it out the door. Come on. Who's that? Who is that person? Stand. Lay hold of your freedom in Jesus' name today. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to get connected with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.